Merson has scored. Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea, and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get onto offtheball.com forward slash events. Just eat the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. The News Round on Off The Ball With Gillette Labs Get the ultimate shave for your money back Neon Night Edition Available now This is News Talk Welcome along We are coming at you with a brilliant show this evening Great lineup. We have Brian O'Driscoll in studio Talking about Leinster Toulouse Amongst other things Also Leo Cullen He went full John Kiley Which is not his usual approach But that's what he did today Colin Boyle, meanwhile, on the weekend's GAA. We have the always brilliant Jonathan Wilson on the football show ahead of Arsenal Manchester City tomorrow at the Etihad. Live commentary, by the way, and off the ball. If you can't get to a TV, we will have you covered. Nathan and David Myler going over to the game. And then three Premier League games this evening. Dan McDonald in studio as well after nine o'clock. 53106, the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick is with us. Hello. Young Joe, how are you? Very good. Michael McCarthy, Aston Villa could leapfrog Spurs and go into fifth with a win over Fulham at Villa Park this evening. Villa, Fulham tonight. What a game. Clash of the Titans. I'll be signing off at 7.45 tonight, Joe. Don't <laughs> expect any work from me after that. Standard know. Tuesday on Off the Ball here. <laughs> so Leo Cullen has gone full uh, John Kiley. Yeah, like even, even referencing Limerick uh, in there. The two most uh, successful sporting teams in Irish sport currently, and therefore by extension two of the most successful coaches, have both had enough of the hype train. Two most dominant. I would say Leinster are struggling for the word successful at the moment in their oh, trophy hall. But they're the two most dominant teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leinster need to win a uh, trophy this year, I would say. Yes, I suspect they'd agree with that. John Kiley, I'm sure you've seen the quotes by now after Waterford said, let's be honest about it, there was some amount of bullshit spoken about our team this week. It's a softening up exercise mentally from those outside of our camp, but we're around a long time. We know what's going on. Uh, Leo Cullen doesn't usually do a Monday press conference. So he arrived uh, yesterday and the journalist on the regular beat thought this is interesting. Leo's here. His first answer was six or seven minutes long. He had things he wanted to say and he most certainly got onto hype, amongst other things. So what Leo Cullen said was, it's just disrespectful to everyone we play against. And I'm sure it's just winding up the narrative in their minds. The hype, it's week on week on week. We're up against the best teams in Europe. Toulouse are the most successful team in the competition. They lost at this stage last year. What do you think their motivation is? It's through the roof. You're up against top teams and they only lap up all that media stuff that all you guys have delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused about all you this. You journalists looked at the ground and said, not I. And uh, the Limerick point was made to him. God, this is very familiar to John Kiley, what he just said yesterday. Limerick won last year. We didn't. That's all I remember. All I remember is the disappointment of losing in Marseille and losing at home in the RDS against the Bulls. We won nothing last year. As as, as just pointed out, uh, it's... Absolutely brilliant. I love this. I mean, I wish every press conference was like this. I wish every manager speaking was uh, speaking in the way that John Kiley and Leo Cullen have over the last two days. But I kind of don't get where he's coming from. I have to say, much like with John Kiley, I don't know what people are supposed to write about performances when Leinster dominate uh, both domestically and in Europe you know, throughout the entire season. I know they didn't win last year, but I, I don't get the idea that a media is responsible for hype. They write about what's there or they talk about what's there. And uh, like, 
Jerry Thorney was in last night talking about uh, Saturday being potentially one of the greatest club games to ever be played. You know, that is hype, but it's not necessarily hype for Leinster going to dominate and win a game. You know what I mean? There's a, We know what to lose are. I think everybody talking about the game knows what to lose are and knows how big a task this is for Leinster. And I think the only, I think for me anyway, and look, I, you you probably read more and seen more than I have, but for me the only, um, I would say it's more expectation on Leinster than then like hype or, or uh, sorry it's not an expectation that they're going to turn up and just do away with everybody but it's almost like the promise has is there and now needs to be fulfilled like this team needs to fulfill the promise of that domination that they've had over the regular season for however many years now and I don't think that's a kind of a th- th- I don't think that's hype that's a that's the natural um, evolution of what this team needs to be or else they're not fulfilling their potential I think the key difference with Cullen and Kylie is you know, Cullen wasn't saying this is some kind of concerted effort to soften us up but he was saying he's uncomfortable with the hype now in the main I would say there are also a huge number of pieces uh, written and, and pieces that we would do on Monday and Wednesday night rugby where the caveat is almost always thrown in that Leinster haven't won a European Cup in X number of years. They have routinely fallen at the hands of La Rochelle and Saracens. There is a question mark hanging over them for all their brilliance. So it's never just it's unmitigated brilliance in every front and they're so good and all they have to do is turn up. But it was interesting. He was he made a point of saying and the ticket prices for Saturday, I think if you want to get a ticket now, a starting price at the moment is 75 euro, I was reading. Yeah. That's very steep. And he was at pains seeing quite a few of his answers on different fronts. He was asked generic questions but made specific points, clearly pre-planned, setting a tone for the week, I'm sure. It's a defining week for Leinster. But he made a point of saying... The ticket prices, they are EPCR ticket prices. We don't control them. It's an EPCR event. We really could do with fans turning up. You know, we need you. Because I think there's a sense of a worry in, in the Leinster camp that there'll be a Viva fatigue and there's a cost element. And well, there's a final will coming I, up. Will I go to the final or will I hang? You and know, maybe so, there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, you know, a, a further sense of the mood, he was asked if Toulouse and La Rochelle have bigger budgets. This is on the back of the discussion of recent weeks. I don't know. I haven't got the calculators out, so I don't know. And then he started talking about how, look, French rupees big business was his phrase. And he said, we're a little old Ireland, small demographics. We're fighting a minority sport uh, for young talent and all the rest. And I think a journalist then joked... Leo, is there any point in turning up on Saturday? To which, to be fair, he, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did see that, you know. And uh, on Wigglesworth, the Leicester coach who had uh, joined Dan McFarlane. He has a right go here. Questioning Leinster's uh, finances. Yeah. Uh, so Wigglesworth wasn't mentioned. They just, you know, the finances discussion was happening and uh, Leo Cullen said, it's interesting. Obviously, Richard Wigglesworth had some comments the last day about us. Obviously, he came through with Saracens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're up against. 50, yeah, they spent fifty million quid, wrote a blank check, and then Moreau wrote, wrote off into the sunset. Is what he said. He was really like, he wasn't impressed with the Wigglesworth side of things. No, yeah, like he, he has a point. Like 
the Irish provinces benefit from the fact that there's only four of them and that they're centrally, like Leo makes that point, that they're centrally contracted and all that kind of stuff. Whereas France, like it is a massive business. We've seen the numbers involved in the TV deals that go on over there to the point that like the Pro D2 over there is actually a pretty strong league and there's a lot of good players playing in it. I don't think you'd find that literally anywhere else where the second tier in a rugby playing nation is pretty strong and has pretty well-known sides in it. Um, so yeah, France do have that financial edge you would feel. And you just have to look at their squads for God's sake. They're incredible. Um, Toulouse in particular. I actually think we could do without the sort of like um, comparing finances and natural advantages and TV deals and all this week. I mean, it's Leinster to lose. We know what the teams are. And here we are. Like, it's like who's going, who's a better rugby team and who's going to win this game? Leinster have home advantage. Yeah. I don't know if we need to play the poor mouth. I know he's probably only, like, you know, in some ways even being slightly facetious in the way he's saying it. But uh, like, Leinster, we don't need to go into all their natural advantages. Obviously, there's big budgets in Toulouse and La Rochelle fine let's just get on with it here we're at the semi-final stage now and like I don't know it's about passion it's about passion and who wants it more but it's not it's about a game of rugby Richie you know what I mean and it's like we know what the situations are we know what the teams are the bigger conversations as to who has more advantages and all of this stuff is rubbish at this stage you know what I mean like this is basically the Grand Slam winning Ireland team to, to be going out and playing at home in the Aviva Stadium they have to win this game no they do for I mean and it's a pity Johnny Sexton is yeah. Leinster career is finished but even I suspect he would remember as very disappointing if from this period 2018 to now when they've been so successful if they only managed to win it once and, and Lancaster I would think is of a similar vein they, they would look back on that with regrets uh, to be fair to Cullen I mean he's been asked about these specific things but he definitely pitched up as a man keen to talk Brian O'Driscoll is in after 8 o'clock we recorded that chat earlier he certainly felt there was a degree of Leo Cullen trying to take the pressure off the players those idiots on Off the Ball Tuesday will be talking about me and not the game and that's partly what Cullen is doing so Job done. <laughs> uh, Brian's on the way after eight o'clock. It's an amazingly tantalising prospect, Leinster to lose on Saturday at three o'clock. So we'll uh, get into the particulars of that game with him. Another the, match live and off the ball, Joe. We've oh. some and the live sport coming up over the next few weeks. Do I see days. the goats on commentary? Oh, he is. Yeah, in there. Andy Dunn, in case anybody is <laughs> new to the show. <laughs> who, who, who doesn't know it's Andy Dunn? <laughs> Andy Dunn with Conor Morris. Yeah, three o'clock on Saturday. So. Very good. Title decider uh, tomorrow night, and then uh, possibly let's let's not tell Ron Nagara, but possibly Highland Cup decider. Well, sorry, Saturday. if anybody can feel a bit slighted the way it's all <laughs> talked about, it's La Rochelle. I mean, defending champions are like an afterthought the way we're talking about this weekend. Yeah. News Round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Richie, I would say Big Ev is averaging yeah. a contract extension every six months at the moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, not surprising given his step up from the under 23s at Brighton in pretty short order. But he signed a new contract at Brighton, which will keep him with the club until the summer of 2028. His previous deal had actually three years left to run on it. But the 18 year old has scored four Premier League goals this season in his breakthrough with Brighton. Four more came in the Cups. It's been a good day overall, actually, for. Brighton owner Tony Bloom uh, his Energiman won the William Hill champion chase at Punchestown today but regarding uh, Ferguson's new deal Brighton manager Roberto De Zerbi says it's good news for both player and club it's uh, important for us it's a very important news he can uh, improve uh, a lot with us playing uh, in 
Brighton, there are the, the right conditions for the young players. And he's uh, 18, he's still 18. Uh, we have not forget uh, it. It's a good news. I think um, he's playing very well. With the Man United, it uh, was a bad for us without him because uh, he has uh, different uh, qualities, different... Uh, he can give us different solutions in the last 20 meters, 30 meters. So uh, Ferguson had signed a contract back in October when he turned 18. They've clearly recognised he's bloody good and mm. so they've stepped up and said let's improve your terms. I don't know what his terms are. I had a look last week when Kenny was in at the Brighton payroll and the top paid player is Adam Lalana. Yeah, <laughs> I heard man. say that. Yeah. Uh, so he's on 80-90 territory a week. I'm sure Evan Ferguson is doing uh, very well for a man of his age. 2028, that would take him up to 23 years of age. Oh my God, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> 2028 sounds like the future, doesn't let, it? Let's not you do know, the maths like on faraway film. All of us, let's not do the 2028 <laughs> maths. So that would take him to 23. That's still a very good age if he wants to move elsewhere. No idea if there's a release clause of any kind if uh, Manchester United were to come in. But, you know, maybe he's better off staying there until he's 23. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, the length of contract is kind of irrelevant. I mean, Brighton will look for a fee, I imagine, at this point. What I think it does is say that this summer it's hands off. You know, it's like he's going to do another year at Brighton. Now, unless, like, Manchester United decide he's the man for them and go in and and go nuts in the transfer market. But uh, you would imagine that that means that short term, staying at Brighton and then you kind of see how he develops after that really you know I think if he is skyrocketing in the way people are suggesting I can't see him being at Brighton until 2023 or till 2020 until he is 23 in whatever year 2028 far off in the future that, that is yeah everybody take a moment and do the maths what age you're going to be in 28 and sit with that for a moment I'm doing the maths on the sell-on fee Bows are going to get when he does actually leave Brighton oh yeah going to win the Champions League Joe so now back to the futures future was 2012 <laughs> I do know that just saying, 2028. Was it not 2015, Mick? Whatever. 2015. 15. 30 years. Either way, there were no flying cars. They were wrong about that one. Yeah. Did they, get, wrong did they get hoverboards? Right? Did they get anything right? Hoverboards wrong. Not sure. Oh, hoverboards right. Yeah, they didn't get the internet, Champions League, anything good. I thought the self-drying jacket was always a good one. <laughs> yeah. We'd have the Car technology, laces. but I'd imagine uh, nobody wants it. Not affordable. Yeah. The laces, the power laces. Yeah, power laces. Yeah. They've actually made them. Do you know Mike what? made them. We've yeah. gotten uh, a mad tangent. He was bloody cool, Michael J. Fox. Like, he still is, but like, he was just charismatic as a kid. He just had something. Yeah. He was just likeable and... and yeah, he was uh, in the Back to the Future films. I never thought Matthew Broderick was cool. Matthew in Ferris Bueller. No. Yeah, like he was meant to sort of be, wow, <laughs> but like he was Michael yeah. J. Fox light. Yeah, that's a fair fair point. I don't have a huge amount to add to it, but you're you're dead right in what you say. I'm happy to leave it at Michael that. Michael J. Fox is a good name as well, isn't it? Yeah. He's a new documentary out, I think, or book. Yeah. yeah documentary. Is documentary? And book, I think, actually. And book, yeah, okay. Documentary's taken centre stage at the moment. So I think as predicted, Rich, GA, you're going to look at the Seamus Flanagan hit. Yeah, Seamus Flanagan's collision with Waterford Stephen Bennett is to be reviewed this week by the GEA Central Competitions Control Committee. The Limerick full forward's left shoulder appeared to make contact with Bennett's jaw in first half injury time in their Munster Hurling Championship contest in Thurles. That game could prove doubly costly for John Kiley's side with Declan Hannon picking up a groin injury that will leave him sidelined for a month. Yeah, it's a big loss, Hannon. Well, like, that's... 
the glue, you know. They'll only win the All Ireland by twenty five points now. Stop. I'm not allowed <coughs> to talk about that sort of thing anymore. I thought the Flan- Irish Independent had that um the CCCC yeah. possibly wouldn't look at the Flanagan thing because the referee had deemed it accidental at the time and therefore dealt with it. But right. obviously I was I, I thought the referee had missed it. I thought it was clear that he had. So it's interesting that they are looking at it. Now that they are, it is hard to see him not getting a one match ban, which is like I mean it, it's it's uh, one of those things that could be appealed to high heaven and you don't know what's going to happen but yeah. it did seem like a red card offence oh, I think everybody's in yeah, general yeah. agreement on that no, it's yeah. definitely a red card uh, Premier League this evening yeah and it promises to be an influential night in the battle against relegation Leeds and Leicester occupy the two places just above the drop zone they meet Ellen Road Crystal Palace could move above Chelsea in the table if they win away to Wolves and the aforementioned Aston Villa could leapfrog Tottenham up into fifth in the table if they beat Fulham that one is at Villa Park uh, there was a text in last night somebody disappointed that there was no Gaelic football chat last night uh, the reason being just too much to fit everything in so we thought we would uh, do it properly and do hurling last night in Gaelic football this evening so that was the thinking there uh, Leo Cullen sounds like a man trying to send someone above him a message, says Keane in Dublin. I don't know. Who? I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, who is who is above him? Whoever the... What message is that? Yeah, I, I, it didn't feel like that. It feels they've, more like they've, it's they've just a, got. Uh, no. I don't think... I'd pressure off. Yeah, yeah get, uh, get lost. The rest of us, yeah. I'm not too sure who he's talking about. If Andy Farrell was gone in the morning and the texture puts in brackets nothing malicious he just left would (laughs) (laughs) would O'Gara or Cullen be the better replacement of the text in that's an interesting question yeah I'd imagine there's a few there'd be a few different people Cullen's never really talked about in those terms as next Irish coach I don't quite know why he's he's viewed he's viewed as a director of rugby at Leinster in a way that his position his official title is never actually given away but if you look at the appointment of the coaches that have worked underneath him be it Lancaster or now uh, Neenaver it would suggest that it is more of a director of rugby role that he has there and the the grunt work is done by others Mm. yeah almost like Conor O'Shea did in in some ways and then you're wondering if that's like there's no reason that that role isn't needed in a big way at international level either you know Uh, so it is interesting you're right you're right we're kind of constantly kind of pining for the time when Raj takes over at Ireland which he doesn't seem to have any kind of urgency (laughs) to be doing either he's happy in his life whereas like Leo despite all his success doesn't seem to get talked about in that bracket and we suppose we do it's funny it's only in the last three or four months I feel that Leo seems to be getting a lot of people are going hang on a second Leo Cullen's been there for all of this and you know he's an incredibly important figure and it's not just Stuart Lancaster Uh, I feel like that's only happened in the last few months I think people were very quick to kind of give Lancaster all of the coaching credit Matt Williams is always very quick to talk up Cullen that we should appreciate what a difficult thing it is to keep all those plates spinning and make it as effortless as it looks we have some cricket then Rich yeah, big day for Ireland today. Paul Sterling and Curtis Camfer scored their maiden test centuries as Ireland ended day two of their second test with Sri Lanka firmly in control. Ireland were eventually bowled out for 492 in Gal, their highest ever test total. At Stumps, the hosts had made 81 for no loss. It's been largely rain-free in Gal in the last few days, but Sterling hopes today's showers can help deteriorate the wicket in Ireland's favour. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the pitch goes. <laughs> Showing a little, a few signs that it could deteriorate and break up. Um, I think there was a couple that were encouraging from the car seamers at the end in the last session there, 
where they kept a little bit low, so I think that could hopefully be a threat as the game goes on. Uh, and obviously Turn's going to come into play, there's going to be foot marks on either side in the last couple of days of the test, so tomorrow's a huge day. Um, I think it's not only important to take a few wickets, but also the, that run rate is crucial to try and maintain. So Ireland bowled out for 4-9-2. Yeah, it's a smash and score in the first innings of a test match. and for two centuries in there as especially so. built on uh, on a 95 for Balberni and especially given how last week went exactly like to, yeah. be beaten, to be beaten by an innings in 280 I think it was was like really humbling and that's a real back in your box kind of moment for them to go out and to effectively hit three centuries um, and make 492 it suggests first of all that the wicket is kind of benign and I think Sterling alluded to that elsewhere in his press conference but otherwise like geez, that's magnificent in just your sixth test to put on a total like that against Sri Lanka in those conditions like is, I don't think uh, that should be undersold No is 492 so good as to make Ireland favourites now? It depends <sighs> on how what happens with the pitch like in honesty yeah. is it's obviously the fact that Sri Lanka have a big score without a loss of wicket as well would suggest that it's a really really flat pitch that's going to be hard to get any movement on the ball for but what happens is over a five day test match that tends to deteriorate and more opportunities become so you get that first inning score and you bat for the first day then you know uh, or the first two days then um, you know you've got all the best scoring opportunities what will happen between you know start to play and lunch tomorrow is kind of key to what happens in the rest of the test match I'd say it's there's a huge chance of a draw I would say if Sri Lanka yeah. go out and bet, bat all day tomorrow and get into sort of a you know 350, 400 kind of territory then the chances of Ireland uh putting on another innings of a decent score and then getting another 10 wickets to win the match before the end of the five days becomes kind of increasingly unlikely but early wickets tomorrow and I'd say Ireland are favourites Okay The snooker's progressing Rich Certainly is, yeah. We're at the uh, business end now. Mark Allen has resumed his World Snooker Championship quarterfinal level at four frames apiece with Jack Jones still playing that ninth frame. Luca Bressel has won the first frame of the evening session against Ronnie O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan had trailed 2-1 this morning but took a 6-2 lead into the session. 6-3 now, as I mentioned there. Uh, both of this afternoon's sessions ended level. Mark Selby and John Higgins evenly split their eight frames and they'll return tomorrow afternoon. Anthony McGill and C. Jahui will be back in the morning. Level at four frames each. Okay, very good. We are out of time. Richie, thank you very much. <coughs> nice one, lads. Michael, thank you. Cheers, lads. And Merson has scored. Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just eat the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League.